Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 27 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I am your host, Luke Halgerson. You know how we do it. Five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's get right into the action. First topic, as always, like I said, NBA playoffs. We're in full swing, people. It's going down for real. Let's give you a breakdown of what the action is has been so far today and over the past few days. We'll start in the Eastern Conference, where two series have already been wrapped up. The Toronto Raptors got their first franchise playoff sweep uh, yesterday as they beat the Brooklyn Nets easily. This team scored 100 bench points yesterday. They scored 150 points in a game, and 100 of those points came from the bench absolutely incredible incredible they have looked fantastic they did have a injury to uh, their starting point guard Kyle Lowry goes down sprained ankle uh, no timetable for when he's going to return that's going to be a big loss as they go into the second round but this team just has a lot of guys who can step up at the right time Fred Van Fleet came out of nowhere. You know, Norman Powell, I really like his game. OG Ananobi, obviously the best player of all of them. Spicy P, Pascal Siakam. They still got Serge Ibaka, Marcus Saul. Uh, they just got guys all over the place who could step up at any time and do anything. Will having no superstar hurt them? We'll see. At this point, Fred Van Vliet can be the closer. Maybe Pascal could even be the closer for this team. They weren't really challenged at all except for one game against the Nets. Not like the Nets were going to give them much of a challenge anyways. But the Toronto Raptors, the defending champs, the longest NBA champs ever from just one season to the next, have looked as dominant without Kawhi Leonard. And to get their ta- I'm, to give them more credit, I'm one in for one on my NBA award picks. Nick Nurse, head coach of the Toronto Raptors, would nominated as coach of the year. He won the award. He's been fantastic for them as an up-and-coming assistant. Kind of came out of nowhere, won an NBA championship his first year at the helm when they got rid of Dwayne Casey. He's been nothing short of fantastic. Their defense is spectacular. I love this Toronto Raptors team. They're great. There's a reason they're the two seed. There's a reason they haven't missed a beat since Kawhi left. It's just incredible how a team can lose a top three player in the league or a top five player if he is that's as low as you want to put him as he doesn't play every game. But I think he's top three. But to lose a guy like that and to still be second in the conference, one of the best offenses, one of the best defenses, to really have a better record than they did the year before is remarkable. Remarkable to say the least. So the Raptors go into the second round looking dangerous as ever. The team that they will face, the team that got another sweep in the first round, the Boston Celtics. They defeated the Philadelphia 76ers pretty handily yesterday as well. You know, the 76ers have just kind of been in turmoil. This, The process has not worked, to say the least. The process has not been, did not get it done. At this point, the peak of the process has been losing on a 
miraculous game winner in the second round of the playoffs. That's the peak of the process right there. And it just shows you go to all this tanking to get these high draft picks to then come up short. And I'm not and Brent Brown lost his job because of this. I think he was going to lose his job no matter what at this point unless you know, they had a deep playoff run, which would have had to have gotten them to the Eastern Conference Finals. But for that to have happened, yeah, they would have had to beat the Celtics and then beat the Raptors. And I don't think, I don't think they were beating either of those teams. So I think no matter what lose-lose situation, he was going to lose his job anyways. And sure enough, he lost his job today. I'm not going to put the blame on him because the organization has done him no favors. They got $200 million in money. $200 million in contract money going to Tobias Harris and Al Horford. I think Harris is a decent wing, but they were no-shows in this playoffs. Like, with Simmons being out, you'd figure one of them would step up, but neither of them stepped up. Horford looked serviceable in yesterday's game, but it was really Embiid by himself, and everyone else was not there to pick up the pieces. I Again, I really only saw that series going at most five games with no Simmons, even with Simmons. Even if Ben Simmons played, I really didn't see it being a seven-game series, and I still saw the Celtics winning it. So I'm not going to blame Brett Brown. The front office, Elton Brandt, he's at fault in this as well. The players as a whole are at fault for this as well. There's a reason Jimmy Butler left and went for greener pastures in Miami. It worked out better for him. He didn't want to deal with Embiid. He didn't want to deal with Simmons. Apparently, Brett Brown didn't want to deal with him as well. And, you know, both of them are gone. Just (laughs) how crazy that happens to work out. But Jimmy Butler said Embiid and Simmons have everything handed to them within the organization. They don't necessarily work the hardest. And I'm not saying this. This is Jimmy Butler. This is out of his mouth. There's a reason he left and didn't want to stay there. And it's because they had everything handed to them and never came through. And at this point, that's what it has to be. Really, it's going to be interesting to see how the 76ers move forward. Because at this point, do you blow it up? I say before you trade Embiid, trade Simmons. Like I would say hold on to Embiid over Simmons because Simmons just he, – he is going to be all NBA defense for sure. He'll be an all NBA defensive player. But he's so limited offensively by not being able to shoot. And I remember seeing a quote by Brett Brown that said, why doesn't he shoot? He's the reason we're going to get fired. Uh, I can't that, – I think that that's slightly the quote, but – He's right. If Ben Simmons refuses to shoot a three or even try to have a three-point shot and go score from beyond 10 feet, it hurts your offense big time. It's going to be detrimental to the team. So at this point, the process failed miserably. I I don't know where the answers are with this team. Because at this point, the teams that finish in front of them are just better than them. Like the Bucks, Celtics, Raptors, Heat, Pacers. All better. Next year, I'm going to say the Nets, when KD and Kyrie come back, are going to be better as well. That puts them there at seven. That puts them there at seven, and they don't know who their coach is. They don't know what they're going to do with this roster. They don't know how they're going to make it out. So 76ers have a lot more questions than answers moving forward. And after a sweep, it it was ugly. It was ugly. But that goes back. Let's talk about the team that won. The Celtics look great. Yeah, they're missing Gordon Hayward, but Kemba looked really nice. 
Jalen Brown looked nice. I think the leader, the true leader, I, you could say Kemba might be the locker room leader, but on-court leader who runs the offense is Jason Tatum. And he's an all-star caliber player, might be a top 10 player, definitely top 15. He's a beast. He's giving you 30 a night. He's unstoppable on the offensive end. Needs to work on his playmaking a little bit, but again, he's what, 21, 20 years old? Uh, he's a young buck. He's got time to learn, got time to still develop. I just like where this Celtics team is going, and how could you not? Missing Hayward for the second round is going to be big. But again, Raptors are missing Lowry. So if kind of like two key guys for both of those teams are out. So at this point, it's up for grabs. It's going to be such a good series. Celtics-Raptors, it's going to be a thriller. You got to love it. You got to love it. This is when the second round is when the postseason turns up. There's some good series right now here in the first round. But that second round matchup, I'm already looking super forward to it, and I want these series to get over. I'm currently watching the Heat play the Pacers right now. Heat are up 3-0. Uh, They're going to end up winning this series. I don't think the Pacers are going on to win four straight games and the Heat lose four straight to lose this series. At some point, the Heat are going to wrap this one up, whether it's tonight, in two days from now, they're going to get the job done. And the Bucs, they took care of business against the Magic today. They're up 3-1 now. Uh, They're going to wrap that series up as well. And again, Milwaukee against the Heat, that's going to be a great series. I've liked what I've seen out of the Heat, led by Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, solid. Duncan Robinson can't miss from three. Drogic has been playing well. You know, none and Leonard haven't been getting any time, but none is finally on the floor now. Tyler Hero can knock down a jump shot. The Heat are just another team that have a bunch of players who can step up. Jimmy Butler's the leader, but they have a lot of guys who do a lot of different things for them. Uh, and Andre Iguodala. I always forget he's on the team because he didn't really play all year because he was on Memphis until he finally got traded. But... Yeah, it's, they're a fun team. And the Bucks, you know, they're the one seed for a reason. Best offensive-rated team, best defensive-rated team. They looked like it the past three games. Didn't look like it against game one. But, you know, Magic always play great in game one of round one. And then the series plays out as it should, like it did last year. It was a gentleman's sweep of the Raptors. It's going to be a gentleman's sweep this year by the Bucks. So let's get to that second round in the Eastern Conference, please. Heat, let's wrap this one up. Bucks, let's wrap it up in two days and let's move on to the second round because it's going to be juicy. It's going to be mighty tasty. Let's move over to the Western Conference now. The big game from yesterday. If you didn't see the game when he shot by Luca, oh my goodness. Go back right now, pause the podcast, and go look at the video. He played out of his mind. First player in NBA history with a 40 point game and also to hit a game winner. (laughs) <laughs> the kid's unbelievable, 21 years old, and has just given the Clippers the business right now. The series is tied 2-2. Porzingis was out yesterday. And, and Luca on a bad ankle, he sprained his ankle in game three, comes back, drops 40 on your head? Are you kidding me? This kid is absolutely incredible. Uh, I, I just can't believe how good he already is at 21 years old. He is literally unstoppable on the offensive end. Just can't get enough. The Mavs look great. Clippers, Paul George laying another goose egg. What do you have, like nine points? It's shot three of 14 from the field. It's just, Like Kawhi Leonard had a really great game. He had over 30. Lou Williams, he had over 30. 
Yeah. Literally. And what? come on, Paul George, have some sense, too. Like, what? what is he thinking going Captain Obvious? After the game yesterday, he happened to say, uh, had I sh- been shooting better, the series would be a whole lot different. Oh, yeah, and if I won the lottery, I'd be rich. Oh, yeah, if I, if I was 6'9", I'd be in the NBA. Like, why is he saying stupid things? Why is he saying, oh, thanks, Captain Obvious. Like, yeah, play better. Play better. If you're supposedly playoff P, like Chuck said, no one calls him championship Chuck. Just because he got there, you got to perform when you get to that biggest stage. Paul George hasn't performed. He had a nice game one. Even a decent game two. Not even. He's been terrible the last three games. What am I saying? He's been awful. And if he's a superstar, like I'm supposedly told, no superstar would did that. Could you imagine if LeBron had one game where he shot three of 14? We could go even a lower superstar. If Damian Lillard went three for 14, if James Harden went three for 14, I know Paul George also said, oh, he's not James Harden. Yeah, well, guess what? You're a scorer first. You can say, oh, yeah, you facilitate the ball, this, that. You're a career three-assist-a-game guy. You're not a facilitator. You're a scorer and a defensive-minded player. Yeah, you can facilitate when you're drawing double teams because you're making shots, as every smart basketball player can. But when you're not hitting your shots, how are you contributing? He hasn't really done much on the defensive end. Clearly, if Luke is scoring 40 points, that goes for Kawhi, too. Luke is dropping 40 on your head, and they're supposedly the two best defensive players in the league. I, I just, I love it. I absolutely love it that the Clippers are struggling with the Mavs, and I don't think the Mavs are afraid, not one bit. They set the tone in game one when Porzingis got ejected. They showed, okay, this is what we got to do. Well, we're going to play aggressive. We're going to play angry. We're going to play we're going to play cutting for throats. And they're doing it right now. 2-2 going off. The series is tied 2-2. Can't wait for game 5 tomorrow. Let's go Mavs. Let's go Mavs. Second series that I want to talk about. Again, we'll we'll start with the game that was yesterday with Donovan Mitchell scoring 50 more points. Jazz now lead 3-1 against the Denver Nuggets. I thought that was going to be a seven-game series. I actually had the Nuggets winning it. But, wow, the Jazz have just shocked me on the offensive end on how good they've been. They've been the best team in the playoffs thus far. They might even be the best offensive-rated team in the bubble. They have played unbelievable. The league is in such good hands. With Luka being 21 Mitchell can only be 24 at the most. I think he's only in his third, fourth year. The guy's already a killer. Got two 50-point games this playoffs already. Already. And we're just in round one. He's absolutely cooking. And, you know, the problem with the Nuggets is what I've always thought. You know, Jokic is their best player. but And Murray went off yesterday. He had a playoff career high in points. He had over 40. He, he was a monster. But they just can't get stops. Like, they cannot stop the Jazz offense right now. They have no answers. Clarkson is absolutely demolishing them off the bench. He's cooking with electricity, not gas. This man is heating up. I'm, I'm just shocked with how great the Jazz have played. 
And I, I just watching the game yesterday, it was just, they looked incredible offensively. Like Mitchell can get a, go get a bucket at any time. If Clarkson, he's got the green light. Uh, he has the ultimate green light from Quinn Schneider. Quinn Schneider, if, once Bogdanovich went down, I'm guessing they just went, if you're open, shoot. Like, it seems like the game plan. He's just, just everyone can shoot. I don't, I don't care who it is. Go bear if you want to shoot, go ahead. He doesn't. But, like, he still was doing some things offensively, too, getting those alley-oops, you know, those putbacks, doing his thing. Just, it's a bit, I've been shocked with how good the Jazz have looked. And they're in the driver's seat, 3-1. Nuggets got a big uphill climb to go, and it's not looking good. With how good the Jazz have looked with Donovan Mitchell leading the way, they have looked pretty unstoppable to this point. Uh, third series, the ser- I just watched it. The game just ended. Thunder fought back and beat the Houston Rockets to tie the series 2-2. Rockets jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Now it's tied 2-2. Chris Paul leading the way. I just I don't know what to make of this Thunder team. I, I just don't understand it. Like, Chris Paul must just – he's the one of the best leaders in the NBA. I, I mean, again, we just, you can harp on it all the time. ESPN projected this team a 0.2% chance of making the playoffs. 0.2. 0.2%. Obviously, you're not predicting the Warriors going down with injuries. You're not predicting the Portland Trailblazers to be as bad as they were in the regular season record-wise. But – Point two, and they're the five seed. And now it's a tie series. It, it's anyone's game right now in that one. Harden played great, but the Rockets, play off, they set their own playoff record with the most threes taken in a game. They shot like 54 threes. It might have even been 57. They st- had the record with 51 in game one of this series. I, they are just living and dying by the three. And yet... Some games, it'll win you. Other games, it'll lose it for you. It's it literally live by the three, die by the three. It's the D'Antoni way. And I got to tell you, Rockets lose this series. D'Antoni's losing his job. Just like Brent Brown, he underperformed with the 76ers this year in the playoffs. Yeah, he was dealt a bad hand. But D'Antoni, I guess, you know, has the excuse with no Westbrook being out there. You know, he's a difference maker for sure. Top 10, top 11 player. He's great. But if they lose this series, Dan Tony's going to be out of a job. He'll get another job. He's a good coach, you know, with his offensive scheme, you know, needs to work on things on the defensive end. But it, I'm telling you right now, Rockets lose this series, Dan Tony's losing his job. And even their talks, if they don't, like, win the championship or go to the Western Conference Finals, he, he's going to be out of a job. So his back's against the wall. Rockets' backs are against the wall. And what are the Thunder, like, they're, the pressure is all on the Rockets. The Thunder get to play freely. They get to play with attitude, panaz. You know, they got all the size in the world on this team. Like, Gallinari can get to the basket at any point because the player guarding him is six seven. The center is P.J. Tucker. Like, Gallinari can get to the hoop at will. Chris Paul is a knockdown shooter. Alexander has been unbelievable. This door guy who I don't, out of Arizona State, who I've never seen play until right now, is apparently the Harden stopper. And, of course, you know, Harden stopper being exaggerated because Harden's averaging, you know, 35-plus. But he's made it difficult for him. He's made things challenging. 
Rockets back against the wall. They they got to come out with a victory in two days. Or it, it, mm. I mean, I would say you already got to hit the panic mode. You already got to hit the panic button with this team. Because 2-2, two, two, you're up 0-2. Had a chance to go 3-0. Had a chance to make it 3-1 today, and they blew it. They blew it. And again, I think they just take bad shots. They literally just force the three all the time, every time. I don't like – I'm not that big a fan of style of basketball. You know, I know threes are the way of the game now, but at least take smart shots. I, their ball movement is solid sometimes, but, gosh, like – Jeff Green took a bad shot at the end of the game. P.J. Tucker rushed a corner three. It sh- shot selection is a big problem, and it starts with the leader. You know, James Harden's a smart player, takes smart shots, but it just, at times, it it's it's very frustrating to watch at times. But I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to see how the series plays out because it's been a good one so far. Last series, final game of the night, Better tune in, TNT, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Los Angeles Lakers, Portland Trail Blazers. Lakers have been in the driver's seat. You know, LeBron turned it on last game. He had 38 points, triple-double. Anthony Davis stepped up big in the second half. And again, I don't understand what – everyone just criticizes the Lakers when they win, even and when they lose. They're in a no-win situation with the media at this point. It's absolutely disgusting how they talk about this team. Every time they, they do well, they're like, oh, well, it, it's play, Trailblazers. They're the eight seed. This is what the one seed should do. And it's like, oh, but you were just talking about when Portland won game one. Oh, the Lakers aren't a championship contender. Portland can give them a fight. You can't count out Portland in this one. It's Dame time. Look, I think Damian Lillard's a great player, but the Lakers are just better. And, you know, LeBron, poke the bear. You just keep poking the bear. And i got to call out Skip Bayless on this. I remember looking at Twitter during the game, and Skip Bayless is like, oh, LeBron, you need to step up. You need to win this one. You need to, you know, get it done. And then, you know, LeBron scores 38 points, and then Skip sends out a tweet at the end of the game like, "Uh, LeBron, why are you mean-mugging the garbage Portland Trailblazers? Save it for next round. It's like Skip. He just did what you wanted him to do. He just went off. He scored 38 points. He looked like the monster that he is. And then all of a sudden, you're just going to be like, uh, save it for next round. You should be beating this team. Well, which is it, Skip? Do you want him to dominate and be great? Or do you want him to mean mug and play with aggression all the time? I don't. Which is it? You, you got to be fair with your criticism, people. No one is fair to this Lakers team. They were the number one team in the West. You can say they're an unorthodox team. Yeah, maybe they don't have a truth number three option, but maybe they don't need it. Maybe if they can just get solid contributions from your likes of Contavious Caldwell Popes, Kyle Kuzma, Dwight Howard, if Danny Green could finally hit a shot, maybe they gave Quinn Cook some time. Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith, Marcus Morris finally got minutes. Those are solid NBA players who can step up. If three of those guys can score 10 points at least, but they're in the driver's seat because you know Anthony Davis and LeBron James are going to do their thing. They're going to do their thing and combine for 50 points. You just need the other guys to step up and do what they're supposed to do. So I think the Lakers can do it. Obviously, they're going to be Portland. Moving into the later rounds, going to be very interesting, man. I'm excited to watch them. So, playoffs. People tune in. They have been great. They've been spectacular. The games have been a lot of fun to watch. There have been a couple blowouts, yeah. But with these good series, Denver, Utah, Jazz has been exciting. Lakers, 
Portland has been pretty exciting as well. Clippers-Dallas has been the best series so far. You could also say Houston-OKC. It's been great. It's been fun basketball. People tune in. Gear up. It's NBA time in August. Let's go. Topic number two. Folks, do we realize we're already at the halfway point of the Major League Baseball season? That's right. Halfway point. 30 games, and we're off and running. I love it. So You know, some teams have not gotten to the full 30 games, but at this point today marks the halfway point for most of these teams, and it's been fun. Uh, I've loved what I'm seeing. The games matter. Games are important. Every single games matter. How often do you say that when it comes to baseball? Usually this is around the time things start to heat up when you get towards this September run, and it's exactly how it's playing out. It's looking great. You just look. Let's just break it down. We're going to head over to the, we'll start in the NL. You know, talk about Dodgers have the best record. No shock there. 22 and 8. They kind of, you know, you could say they stumbled out of the gates a bit, but they have turned it on of late. They've won four in a row. They're nine and one in their last 10. Again, 22 and 8 overall. They've been nothing short of spectacular on the offensive end. The pitching is absolutely disgusting for this team. They really have no holes. Really have no holes with a DH on their team. Just one through nine is absolutely deadly. And there's a reason. They're the favorites to win. There's a reason. You just watch this team adding Mookie Betts. You know, Cody Bellinger hasn't been great, but I imagine he's going to turn it on. It's just there's a reason they're the one seed. Then two seed, though. Guess who? The Chicago Cubs. Go, Cubs, go. Go, Cubs, go. Finally got the dub against the White Sox. It was a rocky series in the first two games. They could not stop the White Sox from getting on the board. But in game two, Darvish stepped up. He's been incredible since last year's all-star break and beyond. I just, I'm so glad he's finally been able to figure it out for this team. We gave him the big money contract. Cubs, 17 and 10. Top of the division. I love it. I love it. They're three games ahead of the Cardinals, who are only 9-8 and because they missed a ton of games because their players are idiots and went out with the coronavirus and had to get it. But I love what this team has. I love our core. You know, Bryant's been hurt. Our big bats, you know, I guess haven't necessarily been there yet, but I imagine Rizzo's going to turn it around. Schwarber had a two-run bomb to give us the win yesterday. The guys are going to figure it out with this offense. The starting rotation has been great. It just the bullpen. We need a lot of help on the bullpen. I imagine before that August 31st deadline, Cubs are going to make some moves to boost that bullpen. There's going to be guys available. Go poach someone from the Royals who always have a good bullpen for some reason. We need to poach. Cubs need to poach some bullpen, boost, boost it up so we can make a playoff run. A team who's third right now would be the Atlanta Braves. They look solid, 16 and 12. You, you know, they're, they've looked good. Acuna's nice. Freeman's nice. Uh, the starting rotation has looked good for them as well. Uh, they're the three. The team that has come out of nowhere, Slam Diego, the Padres. They are going off right now. Do we realize? First team in Major League history to hit Grand Slams in four games. Four games where they hit grand slams. They're on a seven-game winning streak. Uh, you got to love it. 
Like Tatis is already one of the best players in the league. Machado's going off. Well, Myers, you know, Eric Hosmer finally stepping up. Uh, You only figured it was a matter of time. You know, they gave Machado that big money contract. Tatis has really shown it, shown how he can get it done. He's one of the best up and coming players in the league. Uh, if not one of the best players. He's leading in, like, every category, too. Like, home runs, stolen bases, hits, runs. Uh, Tatis is the absolute man right now when it comes to baseball. So he's being talked about in the likes of your Mike Trouts, Mookie Betts. And he's only 21, 21 years old. And he's been unbelievable. The kid is spectacular. Keep swinging 3-0, bud. You're doing great. Keep swinging 3-0. Yeah, those Padres, though. 18 and 12. Too bad they got to be in the division with the Dodgers or they would be cruising right now to a number one spot. And that, so they got the four seed. And again, extended postseason, if you're not already aware, this is how it's going to break down. The top three seeds um, of each league will go to the three division winners uh, in the order of record. The next three seeds, four through six, will go to the three teams that finished second place in their division in order of record. The final two seeds um, will go to the two teams with the next best records regardless of division standing. So with that being the case, the Padres second in the a- NL West. So that puts the Cardinals nine and eight. They haven't played as many games as everyone else, but they're currently the five seed. They would go up against the Padres. They still got a good... Still got a good team. You know, Molina's nice. I uh, just, you know, Matt Carpenter, Dexter Fowler. Ugh, I, just, I, don't, I don't like hyping up the Cardinals because, you know, Cubs fan here. But I'll try to take away my bias a little bit. They it, it just, I hope they don't make it. You know, get the Rona again. How about you guys go out? You know, go to the casino again, huh? That's not going to hurt anybody, huh? Idiots. Six, another surprise team, the Miami Marlins. I think it's helped. I think it's helped that they've missed games. That both of these teams, the Cardinals and the Marlins, have missed so many games. It's helped them record-wise because it goes by percentage. It's not necessarily wins and losses. It's percentage of what they got. And Marlins 500, 11 and 11. They're a surprise team with eight spots up for grabs. They could easily sneak into the playoffs as the NL East has just. It's been underwhelming extremely underwhelming. You know, the Mets are doing Mets things, 12 and 14. They've won three in a row, but run differential minus seven. The Nationals, the defending champs, 11 and 14, and they had a big loss. Strasburg went on the 60-day IL. He's done for the year. That's a huge loss for them. Phillies still being disappointing. They're 10 and 14. Bryce Harper and company just struggling, but I th- it'll be a fight. It will be a fight in that division for that number two spot. Braves are going to get the one at this point. I have a hard time believing anyone's going to catch them. You know, you could just say that Marlins are only two back. Mets are only three back. Washington's only three and a half back. But Atlanta's a good team. They got a young, solid core, good rotation. No one's catching them. But that two spot, very much so up for grabs. So we'll see how it plays out. And then the eight seed, my surprise team. At the start of the year, I love being right sometimes. You know, they looked really great to start the year, but it's been choppy of late. The Colorado Rockies are currently locked into that eight spot. Actually, I d- don't let me forget the Giants, though. Giants are a game ahead of them. They're the seven. They would play the Cubs 14-6. Uh, and six. 
They're playing out of their minds right now. They've won six in a row. Uh, they're the Giants. Just the bottom of this division of just Giants, Rockies, Arizona, like those seven and eight spots up for grabs. Like Cincinnati, I feel like should be better with the kind of rotation that they have with Bauer being unbelievable this year. Luis Castellanos has been great for them. Sony Gray, like the Reds should be better. The Brewers have, haven't been great. They've lost four in a row. I just feel like a lot of these teams could step up and win that seven and eight spot. But again, uh, the eight seed right now is the Colorado Rockies. They're on a seven-game losing streak, so they look great. And I remember I was hyping up to my friend about how great his team, the Rockies, were doing, and then all of a sudden, boom, nosedive, lose seven in a row. And they've gone up against, you know, Padres went off against them. They feasted. Astros bounced back against them with the sweep. They've just they've gone up against good teams. But that's the thing with baseball. You've got to beat the good teams if you want to compete against the good teams in the playoffs. So um, that 7-8 is going to be up for grabs. Giants hold the 7. Rockies hold the 8 as of right now at the halfway point. Let's bounce over to the American League. At the number one right now, Oakland Athletics. They look great. Again, chat. Uh, Matt Chapman is one of the best third basemen in the league. I'm just shocked. They did, always come out of nowhere. Like, there's just money ball system of just not paying guys a lot of money. Just always seems to get the job done. They always have a good rotation, always got to go to offense. Just they don't get any recognition because they play in one of the worst stadiums in all of baseball. They're in Oakland. It's a big, it's a big market. The Giants are a na- name brand. The Golden State Warriors are a name brand. It's maybe because they're on the other side of the bridge. But that's where the Golden State Warriors used to play, right next to them in Oracle Arena, in the old Oracle. I just, again, athletics always just come out of nowhere. You just never expect them to be that great. If you're a baseball fan, you know they're going to be good. But if you're just a casual fan, you're like, the athletics, really? Uh, They're always this good? Yeah, consistently consistently always at the top of their division. Second seed right now, Tampa Bay Rays. They've looked great, too. They surpassed the Yankees for that one spot. Um, It's going back and forth. At this point, the Yankees, percentage-wise, have a better record. They're a half game over them. The Yankees are 16 and 19. The Rays are 19 and 11. So missing games, again, helping out another team, and the Yankees just going through a lot of injuries. Like, they just have so many guys going down, left and right. Like, Judge is hurt again. Stanton's hurt again. It's just so many guys are getting hurt with this Yankees team. It's it's almost hard to fathom how many injuries you can have this early in a season. This early. And there, it's always one team. It's always one team. It truly shows the depth of the Yankees to be able to be towards the top of the division with a lot of their key all-star guys going down. But They've managed to survive 16 and 19. They've looked good. But uh, Tampa Bay, always strong. Another team just doesn't dish out a lot of money. You wouldn't really realize they're that good because, again, they play in one of the worst stadiums, small market, Tampa Bay. Just they play in St. Petersburg, though. It's just it's a it's just another team as like if you're a casual fan, you have no idea. But if you actually follow the game, you realize that they are smart with their money. They got a good rotation. Just a really solid team. Tampa Bay, they could do damage. 
They could do damage in postseason. They know what it's like to not play in front of fans. Let me tell you, no one goes to the trop, and this team is always good, so kind of feel bad for them there. Third seed, Minnesota Twins, 19-10. and 10. They have controlled the AL Central throughout this entire year. Nelson Cruz has been a beast for them. They, they just got a good team. Good team. The pitching staff has looked great. Uh, you got a Minata, almost <laughs> – and Damon Yada had a no-hitter through nine innings, or it might have been nine innings, or it might have been eight innings. Whatever it was, they were up 3-0. They blew the lead. He goes, almost throws a no-hitter into the ninth inning and then gets the no decision. Like, that's just got to be brutal as a pitcher to not have your bullpen be able to step up for you like that. So, rough go for him right there, but the Twins, they've looked solid, but that's going to that's gonna be a tough division. That's going to be a tough division right there, because right behind them at who would have the five seed as of right now would be the Cleveland Indians at 17 and 11. Shane Bieber has been the best pitcher in baseball this year, getting so many strikeouts. Again, they still have Lindor. they got a great offense. They're going to be dangerous. Watch out for them. The Houston Asterix are the currently the sixth seed right now. They've lost three in a row. That's always good to see. They're 15 and 11. Grinky is he needs to be traded because he is too likable to be on a team like the Astros. I mean, this guy is sitting out there watching the grounds crew work on the mound that he wasn't like he's throwing. Palm balls that are going 54 miles an hour, the E-fuse pitch. It's he's sick. Now he's telling guys what he's about to throw at the play. He sits in the bleachers by himself. Uh, Grinky is too awesome to be on a team like the Houston Asterix that everyone hates. Get Grinky out of Houston. And he's too valuable to them right now because he's a good pitcher. But please, he doesn't, they don't deserve him. The Asterix don't deserve him. Because cheaters. Yeah, they keep cheating. Where the, miss the trash cans, huh? Love seeing that Altuve's only hitting like 180. He really misses the trash can, let me tell you. The whole team misses it. They all miss it. Being only two games above 500, they want that trash can back. Bang, bang for off speed, no bang for fastball. Let's keep it moving. Sir, currently the seventh seed right now. Again, love being right. I love being right. Surprise team. Chicago White Sox, they look dangerous against the Cubs. Watched all three games, well, most of them anyways, until the White Sox started blowing out my Cubbies. Their offense is so potent. I mean, Abreu has stepped up. He had a home run in every game. Just so many young guys. Mankata, Luis Roberts, Jimenez. It's just such a dangerous offense that if the pitching can just stay reasonably good, they're going to be unbelievable for years to come. You got to love the core. If you're a White Sox fan, you, can't, you couldn't be happier with your team right now and the moves that they've made to put themselves in a position to compete for years to come. So White Sox, they're going to be dangerous. And another huge surprise, Baltimore Orioles currently have the eight spot. They're 14 and 14. I couldn't tell you another player on their team besides Chris Davis, but they are 14 and 14. Ugh. Just absolutely shocking right now. I I think, though, Toronto, I lo- again, I like being right, surprise team. Toronto has a better record technically, 14-13, better percentage too. So however we factor it in, give Toronto's going to take a, a 
They can't keep this up. No way they can keep this up. I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it. So actually how the playoffs break down in uh, both leagues, just run it down real quick again. Athletics, will major in the American League, Athletics have the one, Minnesota has the two, Yankees have the three, Tampa Bay has the four, Cleveland has the five, White Sox have the six, Toronto, uh, excuse me, Houston has the seven, beautiful, and the Blue Jays have the eight. So it would be, as of right now, playoffs start today. We're already at the halfway point. Athletics would play Toronto. Minnesota would play Houston. Yankees would play the White Sox. And the Tampa Bay Rays would play the Cleveland Indians. In the National League, as of right now, the Dodgers would play the Colorado Rockies in the 1-8. The Cubs would play the Giants in that 2-7. Uh, The 3-6 would be the San Diego Padres. Well, mm, correction, since it goes to the division, it would be the Braves uh, against the Marlins. And then in that 4-5, it'd be the Padres against the St. Louis Cardinals. Playoffs are coming for baseball. Already at the halfway point. In a blink of an eye, we're already at the halfway point in baseball. So absolutely beautiful. Extended postseason. Watch yourself some baseball, people. Go pay attention. In between the day games of the NBA, when it turns into a blowout, go go tune into some baseball, huh? Let's play nine. Let's play nine. Topic number three that I want to get to is top NBA head coaching candidates. Now, there's going to be a lot of shuffling. You know, Brent Brown lost his job. I've talked about a few other teams, like the Rockets. They let their guy go. They might let go of D'Antoni. Correction, he hasn't been let go yet, but in due time, maybe. Um, But I just want to give you my five on who I think are the top five coaching candidates as we move in to uh, next season. And uh, there's going to be a lot of changes. You know, the Nets are looking for a coach. The Bulls are going to be looking for a coach. Uh, Teams are going to teams are looking. Teams are a looking. You know, the Pelicans are another team that are looking. And with that being said. The first guy that's got to be on everyone's radar for who they want it has got to be Tyron Lue. Look, he's shown he's a championship coach with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, they came back 3-1 against the Golden State Warriors. He's a, he's, he's a good coach. You know, he was assistant in Boston and then with the Clippers, then was an assistant with Cleveland, and then obviously led them on, uh, stepped in nicely, um, won that championship when he replaced David Blatt. He went 27 and 14 in the regular season, then went 16 and 5 in the playoffs when they battled Golden State in an absolutely thrilling NBA Finals. The following season, they were 51 and 31, made it to the um, won the Eastern Conference Championship, went up against the juggernaut that was the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant. They lost in five games. The next season, he was 50 and 32. Again, they made it to the finals with LeBron leading the way. It just won the Eastern Conference Finals again, but got swept by Golden State. So Tyron Lue has showed he's a championship coach. He can get the job done, and he's got to be the number one candidate. You know, And again, the Clippers, everyone considers them one of the championship contenders. Uh, he's one of the schemers of that defense. It just uh, He's going to get a job. Someone is going to hire him. At this point, the Pelicans, I think, are the most likely team since David Griffin used to be the uh, GM of the Cavaliers. He's the GM of the Pelicans. And now um, he's going to be – he's definitely going to try and bring in his guy that he won a championship with, with the young core that the Pelicans have. 
I would think that's where he's going. But also, he might go to the Nets as well with Kevin Durant, Kyrie. Kyrie will vouch for him that he's a good coach. Kevin's got to believe he is a good coach as well. He saw it firsthand. Uh, he's going to go somewhere. Like Tyron Lue is going to get a head coaching job. The second guy that I think is going to get an NBA job and is my second candidate has got to be a little out there, Juwan Howard. You know, he's currently the coach at Michigan, and um, at this point he said he wasn't pursuing M- NBA jobs, but they're going to come knocking. Uh, he was under the uh, – you know, we all know Juwan Howard. There's a reason he's coaching at Michigan. He's part of the Fab Five. Um, he was a coach, uh, assistant coach under Eric Spolster during the Miami Heat tenured when they went to multiple finals and won multiple championships. Uh, then he got his break, got the coaching job at Michigan. Um, I for sure think you, with a veteran team, he'll, he'll know how to get guys to play hard. Uh, he knows what it's like to be in a championship environment. Uh, Again, he would be another good fit with the Nets. I don't know how he would do with young guys. Again, at Michigan, he did very nice at Michigan, so maybe he can show that he can coach young guys and maybe step in for the Pelicans, um, maybe even the 76ers. It, but I think he's another guy who's going to get a, a, a lot of offers and at least get the conversations headed his way. Uh, he's going to get the opportunities. They're going to come for him. The third guy... Uh, everyone wants to find the next great assistant. You know, Nick Nurse was that guy. They let go of Dwayne Casey, and then here comes Nick Nurse. Uh, really out of nowhere, I didn't know who he was. Unless you were a Toronto Raptors fan, I imagine no one knew who he was. And then all of a sudden, he's went coaching his team to NBA championships. He's now winning Coach of the Year awards. Um, everyone wants to find that next great assistant coach. And the next great assistant coach that I think is really good is... Um, Wes Unsled Jr. Now, he already interviewed for the Cavs coaching job. Last year, he's been an assistant um, all throughout the league. He's with the Magic. He was with the Warriors. He was with the Wizards. Um, He's currently on Mike Malone's staff. He's an assistant coach for the Denver Nuggets. You know, they were the three seed this year. They looked really strong. Um, He kind of orchestrates the defense for them. Um, He also worked as a scout for the... Uh, and was an assistant coach for the uh, Washington Mystics, the uh, WNBA team. He played basketball at John Hopkins University. You know, again, like he interviewed for the Cleveland Cavalier job. So I think he's going to get a. If he's already getting interviews, it just firmly makes me believe that he's going to get more opportunities. And last year, they let him interview for a job when they were in the middle of a postseason run. So I. I think he's a strong candidate to get a coaching job. Uh, again, the Nuggets have been good the past few years. Um, they talk about him as being a kind of a player's coach guy, you know, connects with uh, the younger guys well, um, a guy they can rally behind. Uh, I think he's going to get an opportunity. If he's already getting, you know, talked about um, amongst them. And again, he's a 15-year assistant. 15-year assistant, which is crazy. Growing up around the NBA, his uh, work his work for a variety of head coaches has a firm understanding of dynamics that drive staff and organization. Um, you know, he may not be the firebrand his boss, Michael Malone, is, but these days that's an asset, especially with the veteran roster. So I could see the Bulls making a move for him. Like the Bulls could bring him in because you need a guy who Zach Levine can believe in and there's a guy I think who could connect with him well, you know, not necessarily a lax coach. He's definitely going to go out there and be forceful, but he's a player's coach. He's going to make it happen for him. Fourth guy, 
I don't know how he's not an NBA coach again. Uh, Mark Jackson, I really think he laid the foundation for the Golden State Warriors to be the juggernaut that they were, the dynasty that they were. Uh, Mark Jackson deserves to be a head coach again. I mean, his record is nice. He has a good record. You know, the first year in Golden State, yeah, it was rocky. He was 23 and 43. Not great. Okay, the next year, 47 and 35. The following year, 51 and 31. The next year, Steve Kerr led them to a championship. Okay, he might have made some poor decisions in the playoffs as far as, you know, play calling and matchups. I understand that. You know, you can criticize him there. And they lost in the first round. But he laid the foundation. He really made Draymond Green who he was. He really believed in Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. He's shown that he can bring and build up a team. Uh, I like him as a coach, love him as a commentator. That's why I'm a big believer in what he can do for a team. He can lay the foundation for a young team. Again, he'll make guys play hard for him. Uh, I really thought the Knicks would consider him, but they hired Tom Thibodeau. He, he could be a good fit if the Nets happen to miss out on Ty Lue. Uh, Mark Jackson, I think, would be a good fit there. I think he'd even be another good fit with the Bulls. Even the Pelicans as well, with the young core that they have. I think with younger teams, he could do well, lay the foundation, build something strong with them. Uh, I like Mark Jackson as a coach. I think he was done dirty by Golden State in only three years. And look, you know, they went on to win multiple championships under Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is should definitely be a head coach in this league, but I don't think Mark Jackson gets enough credit for what he did for that Golden State Warrior team. And with what and with that being said, he should be a coach in the National Basketball Association. The fifth guy is a guy who works with Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy. He should be a coach. He should be a coach. I love listening to those two commentate NBA games. They go back and forth. They got good banter with each other and with Mike Breen there. It's definitely the best commentating broadcast crew in the association. They're great. And Jeff Van Gundy has a real understanding of the game and even today's game. He hasn't been a coach in a while, but he led the Knicks back in the 90s to the NBA Finals where, yeah, they did lose to the Houston Rockets and Hakeem Olajuwon, but he's shown he can get it done and at least get a team to the Finals. Uh, He's got a good coaching record, 430 wins compared to 318 losses. Um, You know, you just look at it, he's coached the Knicks, and then he went on to coach. Houston with Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming, and he was good with the Rockets. 45-37 and 37 his first year. Second year, 51-31. Next year, little down year, 34-48, and 48, but McGrady went through a lot of injuries. And then the following year, 52-30. and 30. Yeah, they got bounced in the first round in seven games, and that's why he lost the job, but he hasn't seen the coaching circle since. Since 2006, 2007, he hasn't been an NBA coach. I feel like he's got to get another opportunity, and I'm hearing the rumors that if the Rockets underachieve this coming postseason, they're going to let go of Dan Tony, and they're going to try and at least give the interview to Jeff Van Gundy. He's familiar with the organization. I'm obviously very familiar with the players there because he commentates them all the time. He knows their preferences, knows what they do. So I would like to see Jeff Van Gundy coaching again. So five guys, Tyron Lue, Juwan Howard, Wes Onsled Jr., Mark Jackson, and Jeff Van Gundy. I see those guys getting jobs, or at least a few of those guys getting jobs, at least getting interviews, getting opportunities to be looked at for head coaches because all of them deserve it. They're all very talented coaching-wise, so it's only a matter of time. 
only a matter of time. Topic number four. The college football rankings came out today. The Associated Press put out their poll today of who they think the top 25 should be. And it's kind of interesting considering that two conferences aren't even going to play. Two conferences already have decided that they're not playing the Big 12 and Pac-12, and nine teams were included there. As a matter of fact, Ohio State came in number two in the rankings, and they're not even going to have a team this coming season. They received 1,504 points. Ranked number two to start the year. Um, Just run it down real quick of what the top 25 is. Uh, Clemson's the number one. They got 38 first place votes. Ohio State, they got 21. Alabama comes in at number three. They got two first place votes. Georgia at number four. Oklahoma had two first place votes. Um, They're number five. LSU, um, the defending national champions, even though they lost Joe Burrow, still going to be a good team. They come in at number six. They had one first place vote. Penn State at seven. Florida at eight. Oregon at nine. Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish coming in in the top 10 at number 10. Auburn Tigers at number 11. The Wisconsin Badgers at 12. Uh, Texas A&M at 13. Texas at 14. Oklahoma State 15. Michigan 16. USC 17. North Carolina 18. Minnesota comes in at 19. Cincinnati coming in at 20. UCF, the Knights coming in at 21. At 22, University of Utah, 23, Iowa State, 24, Iowa, and 25 is Tennessee. Quite the interesting rankings. The notables have got to be Ohio State at two. They don't, they're not going to have a year. Big Ten commissioner is already happy with the decision that they made to not play, and I know players and parents are protesting, asking why they came to this decision, trying to figure out if they can even change that, maybe even form their own little conference of just six teams. Um, a lot of interesting things happen. Justin Fields, you know, leader of Ohio State, really wants to play. He's putting a petition together to try and figure something out. That's the most notable. You know, they got a lot of first-place votes, and they come in at number two, and they're not going to be competing this year. Next team, Penn State, number seven. You know, they're not, again, Big Ten, they're not playing this year. Oregon, number nine, they're not playing this year either, Pac-12 school. Wisconsin, number 12, not playing this year. Michigan coming in at 16, USC 17, both schools not playing. Minnesota 19, not playing. I think two other interesting picks, the American Athletic Conference getting some national recognition by already being in the top 25. Cincinnati coming in at 21. UCF coming in at 21. I didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming one bit. Utah coming in at 22. Again, not having a season. Iowa, no season, and they come out at 24. And I don't, I don't believe Tennessee, 25, just absolutely unbelievable how they consider these SEC schools all the time that underachieve. Interesting top 25, considering that a lot of these teams aren't playing. Yeah, I just, I'm really shocked by that. Really shocked. The only schools that are actually planning on competing this year, SEC, ACC, Big 12, American Athletic Conference, Conference USA getting some love as well, and the Sun Belt are all four going ahead with fall sports. So 
you know, UCF could move up quick in those rankings if they have a good year. It goes for Cincinnati as well. Very interesting. Just, mm, wow. Just wow. Three remaining Power 5 conferences, the SEC, ACC, Big 12, have eliminated all or most non-conference games and delayed the start of their season from one to three weeks. A race from the college football schedule this year was a host of tantalizing non-conference matchups. You know, Ohio State was supposed to play Oregon. That was going to be a good one. Notre Dame was supposed to play Wisconsin at Lambeau Field. I was going to have bragging rights over my good friend. Uh, Who else we got? Texas was going to go against LSU. Uh, USC was supposed to go against Alabama at Jerry World in uh, Arlington, Texas. Auburn was supposed to go against North Carolina, but we still get some good matchups. You know, Power 5 schools playing each other. Going to be good. Uh, The big conference games that we'll miss out on, obviously one of the biggest rivalries ever in all of sports, the uh, Ohio State against Michigan. We don't get to see it. Just, mm, 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 mm. And it it shocked them. Shocked North Carolina's that high, 18? Coming at 18, I guess they believe in Mac Brown. Mac Brown can still get it done. And again, number 19, Cincinnati. First appearance in the AP preseason poll. The Bearcats have finished ranked in each of the past two seasons. I guess they're giving them some love after showing what they can do the past two years. Minnesota is making their first preseason poll appearance since 2004. The Gophers were one of the surprise teams last year, starting unranked and ending 10th. Their best finish since 1962. Ohio State extends the longest active streak of preseason top 25 appearances to 32, followed by Oklahoma with 21, LSU with 20, Georgia with 19, Alabama, the Crimson Tide 13, and Clemson with 9. If you break it down by conference, SEC has seven teams. Big 10, mm, disappointing, has six teams. Six teams that don't get to compete. That's brutal. Big 12 has four. ACC has three. Pac-12 has three. And the American, two. Unbelievable. It's an interesting poll for sure. I don't always like preseason polls, but it's interesting this year because two of the Power 5 teams, uh, conferences at that, aren't playing, aren't competing. So, very interesting poll. Final topic that I want to get to today, topic number five has got to be NBA draft lottery results. That's right. The NBA draft lottery was just a couple days ago, and we saw who it is. The number one pick is going to go to the Minnesota Timberwolves. The number two pick will go to the Golden State Warriors. Number three pick goes to the Charlotte Hornets. Number four, Chicago Bulls. Five, Cleveland Cavaliers. Six, Atlanta Hawks. Seven, Detroit Pistons. Eight, the New York Knickerbockers. Number nine, Washington Wizards. Ten, Phoenix Suns. Eleven, San Antonio Spurs. Twelve, Sacramento Kings. Thirteen, New Orleans Pelicans. Fourteen, Boston gets it from Memphis um, as part of a trade. And then as it breaks down from there, it'll be Orlando gets 15. Portland gets 16. Minnesota will get the 17th pick. Dallas will get 18. Brooklyn will get the 19th pick from uh, Philadelphia via the Clippers. Um, 20 will go to the Miami Heat. 21 will go to the 76ers as they got that from the Oklahoma City Thunder via the Orlando Magic and Philadelphia, funny enough. Uh, 22 comes in with the uh, Denver Nuggets from the Houston Rockets. 23 will be Utah, 24 will be Milwaukee, 25 will be Oklahoma City, 26 will be Boston, 27 will be the Knicks, 28 
will be the Los Angeles Lakers. 29 will be Toronto. And 30 will be Boston. That's how the first round shakes up. The most notable things have got to be the Golden State Warriors getting the number two pick. If I were them, the, the, what they need, the only position they need has got to be center. Like how they, If they don't take James Wiseman or trade the pick, I wouldn't believe it. I really think they're going to favor trading that pick before they draft anyone at that spot. I feel like it's a good trade chip. Maybe they throw in a player in there, someone like Wiggins, to go bring in another star to help out the Warriors who are going to have a healthy Steph Curry back, healthy Klay Thompson. They still got Draymond Green. Still got a solid core of players. Steve Kerr is still a good coach. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with that number two overall pick. But the rich get richer when it comes to that. But the draft also gives people a false sense of hope because I don't think this is the strongest draft class out there. Still solid players, for sure. And, you know, when we say that, they're always going to be these unbelievable guys. Like Giannis's draft, we said that was a weak draft. He fell to number 16. He's top three players in the league. Like Giannis is an absolute monster out there, and that was supposedly a weak draft. So all the time, you know, you can find value anywhere as long as you know how to scout guys, bring them up, right team, right time. So still some solid players. I like Anthony Edwards. I think Minnesota's going to take him number one overall. Honestly, if I'm Golden State, I'm keeping that pick. Pick James Wiseman. What they need is a center. He, I think he would fit a lot very nicely as being the third, fourth option for these Golden State Warriors. They still have Andrew Wiggins as well. So I say... Run it with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Wiseman as your starting five. That's as good as starting find as you can find anywhere in the league if Wiseman is the player that I believe he is. Injury insurance for sure, as he was, you know, injured his entire time at Memphis. And I don't even know if he played a game. He might have played one or two, three. He didn't play much, but he's definitely a talented player. Hornets still at that bottom of the barrel that you know they were supposed to they weren't supposed to get this high a pick but they managed to get the three um Chicago got the four you know they were a bad team uh, another team just sh- the Knicks just have been living in utter misery this is what's so funny the Warriors have won you know championships in 2015 uh 2014-15, and then when Durant came to town, they've won three championships in, like, the past five years. And here they are getting another, like, good draft pick. Just the rich get richer. And here are the Knicks, just been atrocious for this entire, um, since the turn of the millennia. They haven't been good since 2000. They had a couple good years with Carmelo Anthony, who doesn't get enough credit for his time. He made them relevant. Lynn Sanity lasted about two weeks. But this team is just an Embarrassment, and they're and they're not getting any better from the number nine pick. I don't know if there's a lot of value later in this draft. I I think the like top, you know, six seven guys have a lot of potential to be good, but so just these other guys, I, I don't see it. It's just so funny. The Knicks have just been absolutely terrible. They're a team that needed a top pick. Again, I don't think Anthony Edwards or um, the likes of Wiseman or um, Obi Toppin, or the Denny um, from Europe is changing the game, or LaMelo Ball at that. Like, I don't think those guys are changing the face of the franchise for a team like the Knicks, but it at least would help. It at least would make a difference, and it would at least help out Tom Thibodeau as he has a big uphill uphill battle by trying to coach this New York Knicks organization. So it's just, just comical that this team just can't get it figured out in any way, they can't can't even do well on their day off. 
Like on a day you think it'd be good, oh, we're going to get a decent pick. You know, we were one of the worst teams. We got a good percentage to get a high draft pick. Nope. Nope, you're, you're going to draft at eight. We're going to put you nice and snug at eight. Remember the last time they were at eight? They had a chance to pick. Steph Curry was taken before them. So don't like the Knicks' chances for turning things around next year, um, as no one would expect that. And, of course, I'm hearing reports that, oh, yeah, they're in good position to trade for a star. With what? With the ninth pick? Who are you going to trade? Barrett? No, no, one, no star is going to be traded to the Knicks. Like, there's always just this false sense of hope with New York that they might be able to turn around. Like, this is finally the year. It's like, no, you had Carmelo Anthony, and then the organization, Phil Jackson, disrespected him. You got no trade value out of him. It, Porzingis saw how dirty you did him. He wanted to get out of there, and he's flourishing in the playoffs. It's just absolutely glorious to see how many players have played for this Knicks team and are doing great. Tim Hardaway Jr., Porzingis, Trey Burke. It, you could just get, The list goes on with how many guys have played for the Knicks who are doing well elsewhere. It's absolutely beautiful, and it's, it's really comical. It really is comical to see how a glorified team like the Knicks is just horrendous once again. And gets another bad draft pick. Another bad draft pick. Absolutely. B-E-A. Beautiful. And now we move in to my unpopular opinion today. It's not even an unpopular opinion. I'm not even going to really dive into it too much because we know what day it is. It's August 24th, 2020. If you know anything about the numbers 8 and 24, you know what they signify. It's the two retired numbers of the late, great legend, Kobe Bean Bryant. That's right. It's Kobe Day, people. Like L.A. just named a street Kobe Boulevard. It just, it's very sad. You know, 2020 really started with his death, and it just went downhill from there. And, um, you know, it was a big loss for the sports world. It was a big loss for the world in general. Kobe's one of the most iconic players ever. It's not not even going to say an unpopular opinion about him. You know, he's one of the greatest players ever. It's just unfortunate that on a day like today where we should be celebrating him, he should be able to pay attention to, uh, you know, with he should be with his family today, celebrating his legacy, celebrating his glory. His birthday was the day before. It's just, it's just absolutely s- sad. It's just sad to think about that. Kobe Bryant, the legend, is no longer with us, just a superstar player like him. And Shaq talked about it yesterday, too. There was a picture posted of... Um, yeah, kind of a, a an edited photo of old Shaq and old Kobe with their arms around each other. And Shaq said, you know, just listening to him talk, he just sounded depressed talking about it. Just, I wish this was the case. I wish this is what happened. I wish we could talk about the glory days and the good old days that we used to have with the Lakers. And it just, listening to him talk, it almost sounded like he was choking up and about to cry about it because it, it's a very sad situation. And tonight, Kobe night, Lakers are going to wear black Mamba jerseys. It's going to be awesome for Kobe, for Kobe. So no, the only unpopular opinion, I guess I would say about Kobe today, he's a top five player ever. I got him ranked fourth all time. I think he is for sure one of the most dominant players ever. At one point in the game, he was best all time. Just real quick, just because it's Kobe day, I'll speak on his resume a little bit. That just doesn't get enough credit. 18-time All-Star. 18-time All-Star. He's also the youngest All-Star ever. Youngest All-Star ever. 19 years old. 19 years and 170 days in 1998. He, 
was alongside Shaquille O'Neal, Gary Payton, Tim Duncan, and mm, he was a beast. And Kobe just, he was already, and you saw it in the last dance where, oh, that, that little Laker kid, you know, Michael talked about it. He's going to want to shoot all the shots. He's not going to back down from everyone. You know, already at 19, showing that he's an absolute monster. Just You just keep going on with this resume. Two-time scoring champ, five-time champion, two-time finals MVP, 15-time All-NBA, 12-time All-Defense. He's an all-rookie team, four-time All-Star MVP, a record to this day. Yeah, and uh, and he won MVP. He should have won more MVPs. You know, his career stats, 25 points a game, five rebounds, 4.7 assists. Just, yeah, Kobe was the man. Kobe was the absolute man. Black Mamba. There's a reason Mamba mentality is a thing. He is a beast. Uh, he's got a joint, like I said, joint record for MVPs. You know, he lost his first All-Star game, but... Uh, you know, he's picked up four MVP awards. It matches only Bob Pettit. Uh, he scored the most points in a single game in the modern era. You know, he scored 81 on Jalen Rose's head in the Toronto Raptors. It's the second highest scoring game ever besides Will Chamberlain's um, mystique 100-point game where there's no footage, but obviously he did it because it's in the scorebook. But Kobe, January 2006, 81 points in a game. Unbelievable. <laughs> Just Absolutely incredible. He's also scored more points, more free throws, and made more turnovers than any guard in NBA history. Just got to love the Mamba. Just doing whatever it takes. 3,643 points, made 8,378 free throws, and committed 4,010 turnovers. All three are records for his position at the shooting guard. He's only one of four players to win 15 All-NBA honors. Um, the other guys... LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Tim Duncan, not bad company to be in. He's also only one of four players to win nine all-defensive first-team honors. Uh, the other guys, Michael Jordan, Gary Payton, Kevin Garnett. Again, great company to be in for Mr. Bean. Uh, he scored the most points ever in a, a single arena. That would be Staples Center. Um, 16,161 points. one six one one six one. Mm. Bain, 20 seasons with the Lakers. That's another thing. One season with one organ, one career, one organization. 20 seasons, one organization. At 37, he is still the youngest player ever to reach 33,000 points for an NBA player. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Soon after, he became the oldest player to ever to score 60 points. Farewell game. 60 points for his send-off. It's the only way for Kobe to go out is to score 60 points in a game, in his final game that he'll ever play. Kobe, we miss you. You're an absolute man. You're the absolute legend, one of my favorite players of all time. You know, you will be missed forever. 824, those numbers will go down in infamy, in history, as legendary numbers. And just to say it, you know, there's a reason he got two numbers retired, because he had two Hall of Fame careers, one as number eight, Kobe Bryant, and one as number 24, Kobe Bryant. We miss you, Kobe. We miss you. So keep doing your thing, Black Mamba. We, we miss you, and we're going to keep lit. We're gonna keep balling up balls of trash and throwing them in the trash can and saying Kobe. And it's, something, it's another phrase that will just live on in infamy. Kobe. And that's the end of episode 27 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. 
Thanks for listening. You know, check me out on social media. Feel free to interact with me. Hit me up. You ever want to debate anything, you know, feel free. Already had some people reach out to me and debate me. So if you ever, if you don't like my takes, I'm happy to debate you and argue with you. I'm all for it. So feel free to hit me up. But uh, yeah, we're going to keep it, keep on keeping on. But remember, during this coronavirus pandemic, wash your damn hands. All right. I'm out. Peace.